Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm delighted to be your host here on the podcast. I'm a retail transformation specialist and I work with retailers to help kickstart and deliver crucial transformation initiatives. Whether that's creating new business propositions, unlocking revenue streams, expanding into new markets or categories, integrating acquisitions, or even defining or optimizing the operating model. I'm also delighted to be one of LinkedIn's top voices for retail, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in today to episode 248, number 248. Now, over the last couple of episodes, we've been exploring the world of robotics. It's an area of retail that has seen some really dramatic technological advances and can drive benefits, especially around efficiency and productivity as well as more flexibility and even support around the clock. So back in episode 246, we explored the rise of robotics in warehouse situations and fulfillment centers. And then in the last episode, 247, we dived into the rise of robotics in transport. And both of those really focus in on the value-added task of ultimately moving stock through the supply chain towards the customer. And today we're going to continue with that stock movement trend with the final piece of the jigsaw, moving the item all the way to the customer and the customer's door. Today we are discovering the rise of robotics in last mile deliveries. The show notes from today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 248. And do make sure to head over there because there are going to be lots of videos demonstrating some of the different solutions that we're talking about today, helping to bring some of these more visual, tangible ideas to life rather than just my voice. <laughs> so head on over to obandco.uk slash 248 plus sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. This is my email newsletter, which is there to guide you through the ever-evolving world of retail. Each week, I highlight key innovations and trends from around the whole world so you can understand how the market is shaping and developing over time. Plus, I'm sharing insights and techniques to help you to transform better. Sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing for free over at obandco.uk slash 248. Now, when it comes down to the last mile, we've been talking about this really alongside the rise of e-commerce deliveries. But let's not forget, e-commerce did not invent home delivery. Home delivery, of course, existed beforehand and a long time beforehand, by the way. You had mail order companies, you had stores being able to deliver to local customers by a small little delivery van or even by bike, right? But what e-commerce has really done for home delivery is massively scale up the volume of orders processed and deliveries made. 
And now we're looking for ways, of course, to improve that. But nevertheless, there are two very different types of home delivery. Firstly, there is the type serviced from local stores or from larger fulfillment centres that are still relatively local to the point of delivery. Predominantly, this is done for the grocery market, but also some other big and bulky areas. I'm thinking elements like building materials, for example. Generally, deliveries made here are on own brand delivery vehicles. So it's an operation run by the company. But more recently, we've seen more and more couriers moving into this market. In particular, with that food hat on in the quick commerce space. Companies like Deliveroo, Uber Eats and plenty of others, as I'm sure you can imagine. The other type of home delivery tends to be more for smaller non-food items using a central fulfillment centre or national fulfillment centre covering a really vast geography. And these tend to use third-party couriers and perhaps a trunking network to transport the order between different hubs to get to a conveniently close location to the customer. They may also, of course, be using nationwide postal or parcel services to extend that reach, potentially to cover the entire world from a single warehouse. Additionally, we've also got a couple of more recent developments. So omnichannel home deliveries, in particular ship from store. And whilst this is using a local store, generally it's sent out to a national audience and you are using the stock availability in that building. So the store tends to work more like a fulfillment center using a courier. And the other element that has changed is the rise in returns and reverse logistics. And that's an area where I think we'll see more and more home deliveries, or actually home returns, I should say, start to come into place, especially as we want to reuse and recycle or even resale items. So with lots of home deliveries happening, of course, we're looking for efficiencies to make more deliveries without additional cost or additional effort. And we're looking for more flexibility, helping the delivery to be more convenient for your customers, potentially including around the clock deliveries. And to gain these two benefits, we're seeing three main technologies robotic technologies being used. Of course, there are plenty of other solutions that are being deployed across the supply chain and across the operating model that you absolutely must think of. But today, we're really focusing on these three main robotic technologies that very briefly are number one, autonomous robotic pods, number two, self-driving vehicles, and number three, drones. So let's dive into each of these to explore a little bit more about them and highlight some of the key considerations and factors when deciding if this technology is right for you. So first up, thinking about autonomous robotic pods. These are the relatively small wheeled robots that can move around. Starship Technologies are perhaps the most well-known vendor of these robots but they're absolutely not the only solution. There are plenty of options on the market. And it was back in 2016 when Starship Technologies really started their delivery trials in the US and in the UK. Specifically in the UK, the co-op have really led the way with local deliveries using these autonomous pods. So a local store will have a series of robots that will service customers within a 
relatively small radius around the store, circa two miles. The robots can load up with a single customer shopping and then using pavements, they'll direct their own way towards the customer's house, send their customer a notification when the robot is there with their shopping outside the front door and it can come unlocked and the customer gets their food and the robot can return back for the next delivery. These tend to work in a town setting. So I think Milton Keynes was the first town in the UK to really become, should we say, robot friendly in terms of deliveries and last mile deliveries. But one trend that is really interesting me is that universities, especially in the US, are particularly prevalent for using this autonomous robotic solution. And this is great. You've got generally in quite a closed atmosphere on campus a population that is a bit more digitally savvy than the general population, I would suggest. But for me, the most interesting factor is that these students are getting used to A, seeing robots, and B, using robots. And so when they graduate and they come out into the real world, what do you think they're going to expect? And I think that could be a real driving force for seeing this sort of last mile robotic technology solution deployed in a much wider circumstance. So keep an eye on where universities are using these autonomous solutions. The robots themselves are, I think, really effective at what they do. They work in all weathers except the most extreme. So they can work in rain and snow, etc. They tend to be really well received by local customers and residents who enjoy seeing them driving around. They enable clear notifications and communications with customers who can see where their shopping is and know exactly when it's going to be waiting outside their door. And they can work really well in certain areas that are built up, have a great network of pavements and pedestrian friendly areas, but also quite a densely populated area. So you've got more customers available to be serviced from a given store. However, I would say they are great for that sort of suburban area, shall we call it, rather than a city centre where heavy foot traffic on pavements could actually cause a significant delay to the delivery times needed because of safety. If it sees someone walking in front of it, the robot will stop. And I'm also imagining plenty of people walking along on their smartphones, tripping over this robot that's sitting in the pavement waiting for a clear path forward. <laughs> There are other considerations that you need to be thinking about. I mentioned it already. These do operate within a small radius of the store, about two miles, but different vendors may have slightly bigger, but we're not talking about a massive range here. So you either want to have a very densely populated area or you want to have a really good estate of convenience stores to service a meaningful number of customers. You need to have that infrastructure of pavements and pedestrian areas as I mentioned already, although I could imagine off-road versions could be developed, but I'm sure this brings about lots of complications about right-of-way and even getting stuck in the mud and stuff like that, right? So let's leave that tech development aside and just say you have to have those pavements in place and without too many pedestrians that it gets in the way. It's great for small to medium-sized shopping trips. Generally, these take two or three bags of groceries, so not a full weekly shop for a family, but definitely a sizable top-up shop. Great for smaller households, students, and those last-minute essentials. 
Of course, the robots do have this container within them, so there is a limit to the dimension of products that can fit inside. Grocery items fit inside, but if you wanted something particularly long or particularly heavy, that's not going to work. And then you've also got to really consider the customer experience. You are handing off that point of delivery, the one touch point that you have with an e-commerce customer towards a robot. So it is a completely automated journey. And interestingly, Amazon was developing its own autonomous robotic pod solution called Scout. But last year, they cancelled the live trials that it was running, declaring that it was not meeting customer expectations. Now, this is really interesting because Amazon generally pride themselves in having that frictionless and sometimes contactless delivery. So Amazon are going to continue to develop and reimagine this Scout project behind closed doors. But in the meantime, many of the team that were working on this have been moved on to new roles at Amazon. So it's been significantly deprioritized. And whether we'll see Scout version 2 coming out in the future, who knows? The other consideration is that given that short range of the robots, Amazon, of course, does not have an enormous store estate to fall back on. So perhaps that's part of the rethink as well. Although you could definitely argue it's linked to their ongoing initiatives to expand their grocery footprint and the number of stores based on their Go or their Fresh model. Moving on to the second technology of self-driving cars. Now this technology we definitely touched on in the previous episode where we were thinking about bulk deliveries and autonomous trucks. But here we're talking definitely about last mile. And of course, self-driving cars as a technology has been widely recognized in the press with different experiments and trials going on in cities around the world. And there've been a number of different developments that have been happening. Back in 2016, as Starship Technologies were starting to experiment with their autonomous robots, they were also experimenting with Robovan, which could act as a mobile hub to be able to then dispatch smaller pod robots to customers' houses. In 2021, in China, JD.com were trialing smart vans, which were essentially click and collect lockers on a self-driving car chassis. And they've continued trialing these smart vans, now operating over 600 vehicles across 30 different cities. The units themselves have a range of up to 100 kilometers. And whilst their top speed is not massive, like a car, for example, it can do the rounds within a city, getting a decent mileage up over the day. And just like click and collect lockers, you've got all of the different elements around different sizes of lockers, security so you can only access your single order, as well as the notification and visibility of where your order is, like the autonomous pods. And then earlier this year, also in China, a company called WeRide were starting an experiment with another initiative, also called Robovan, completely unconnected to Starship's Robovan, but this is for making deliveries in an urban setting, fully people-free. So a full-size van would deliver parcels to stores where store associates can then scan and collect relevant parcels, and then the van will drive on to the next location. So great for getting a click-and-collect parcel to the store, but in its current guise, wouldn't be suitable for delivering to customers because as soon as you open the van, you have access to plenty of customer orders. <laughs> so I'm sure there would be lots of security challenges. 
And then as we look to the future of self-driving cars, there are lots of different trials, as I say, going on. But one of the most interesting developments is that Tesla are due to release a couple of products, perhaps 2024, 2025, that sort of time frame. And those products are Robovan, again, and someone's got to get the international trademark registered for that, surely. So Robovan and then Robotaxi. So automatically driving items and people. And this is really going to be, for me, signaling an expansion into this technology for the Western world. So think how Apple exploded the use of MP3 players with the iPod and then smartphones with, of course, the iPhone. And it really feels like Tesla could mimic this, exploding the use of electric vehicles, as they already have, and then self-driving vehicles. And as more and more consumers get this technology on their proverbial driveway, or actually start to use it as a taxi, more and more governments, countries, states, etc., will start to approve the use of self-driving vehicles. And that opens up plenty of opportunities for the world of last mile deliveries. Now, self-driving vehicles are, in my view, potentially better for city centre locations where those pedestrian autonomous pods could get permanently held up by the busy pavements and tripping people over and so on. And if they're small, like the units that JD.com are trialling, then there's potential that it could work across cycle lanes, bus lanes and all the other complications that you get in city centre locations and those challenges that delivery drivers and delivery vans run into as well. However, this technology is developing at a pace, but right now we're still seeing human safety drivers being used and needing to be used in many geographies. And this is a blend of, I suppose, trust in the technology, as well as the technical development of the technology at the same time. But it's really linked on what that government policy is on this technology in any given location. And the other consideration is that the self-driving element is only one part. You still need to make sure you get the right parcel to the right customer without risk of theft, breakages, and so on. Now, whether that is using lockers like JD.com are using in their smart vans, or whether you are going to put on an onboard automatic storage and retrieval system to serve the right parcel or the right product to the right customer. Definitely one to watch. And then our third technology is drones or UAVs or unmanned aerial vehicles. 10 years ago, Jeff Bezos first demonstrated a concept, I suppose, of how drone delivery could work. And since 2013, we've seen loads of companies expand trials and actually offer commercial propositions for this as well. The companies leading the way are Wing, which is part of Alphabet, Google's parent company, Walmart, and Amazon in particular. But other companies like Tesco and many more are all experimenting. And one company who are experimenting in a big way, in my view, are Domino's. They've been driving plenty of innovation to deliver pizzas by drone, as well as other different autonomous solutions as well, including the autonomous pods and self-driving cars. And it was back in 2016 that the first drone delivery of a pizza took place. And that is now a service that is commercially available in many different places. But really, there is a stronger commercial use for healthcare right at the moment. Now, of course, these items are small, 
they're light, they're valuable, and often they're needed in an emergency. So great for emergency supplies or medicines, pharmaceuticals, and in particular, it's great to get to remote locations at double quick time. So super for rural locations where you've got a long distance between deliveries. They tend to be further from the delivery hub where the drone is setting out from. Perhaps you've got low quality roads and or pavements or maybe no pavements. You may have some complex road junctions, highways and motorway junctions, for example. You could have to bypass lots of traffic and congestion hotspots. And you have the benefit of when you get to a rural location, you've got someone's garden or land or large driveway to be able to land on or to drop a parcel into. So right now, drones are going to be more used in those rural locations because in the urban location, you've got more challenges, more obstacles in terms of buildings, wires, etc. And then you've got challenges over making the actual delivery in terms of security and safety. You know, where do you put a landing zone or a drop zone or a marker or whatever? But whilst this technology is available, there is still more to consider. And actually here, I'd like to do a shout out to Carl Boutte for highlighting Dominique Lord's experience of receiving drone deliveries. And that really demonstrates the whole customer experience is really quite challenging. And there's a link to a video to see what a drone delivery looks like in real life on the show notes, which you can find, like I say, at obandco.uk slash 248. And some of the challenges around this customer experience are around the setup, where you've got a series of lengthy pre-delivery surveys to go and make beforehand, both as a customer and as a retailer. There are specific locations that are viable or not viable for the drone to deliver to, and you're going to need to mark these out with physical identification, you know, stickers on the ground, for example. The drones can only fly in very specific weather conditions, so they won't work if it's too windy or too rainy or too snowy or too hot. It's got to be just right. And that is going to be unreliable from a customer's perspective. Imagine you've got an order dispatched and it's going to be sent out for delivery, but it's cancelled due to bad weather. How frustrating is that? The drones themselves are noisy, like all drones, but I'm sure that technology will develop over time. But really interestingly, in the video from Dominique Lord, it shows the delivery being dropped from quite a height, perhaps 10 foot at least, I would suggest. And so you've got to think, do you have fragile items in the order? Because that's not going to work. Although there are some drone deliveries that use a a guide rope to sort of lower the item down, for example, or even land before dropping it off. There are, of course, weight and size restrictions, although I'm sure we'll start to see drone fleets that, similar to how a click and collect locker system would have lots of different sizes, a drone fleet will have lots of different sized drones to be able to cater for your items. But nevertheless, if you're looking to deliver that weekly shop of groceries, or perhaps a bag of cement, a drone delivery is probably not the right solution. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got all the privacy concerns around drones flying over people's properties, where you lie with right of way and so on for that, as well as just do we want to see drones flying around the open sky, right? Is that the future that we're going to be living in? Who knows? 
So those are the three main technologies that are being used. And like I say, each one has got its own set of considerations and watchouts. And I believe there is not one of those technologies that is best. There is not one technology that you should definitely go after because each one has their own use case. So you need to understand the opportunities and the limitations for each. And of course, compare them against a good old fashioned human delivery driver as well, whether that's using a van, bike or other form of transport. And really here, it's going to be essential to understand the customer habits and segment all your data in terms of customer locations, order type, order size, the product sizes, order frequency, urgency, all these different elements all play a part. And when you look at this data and what these customer habits are, either they will signify that there could be an opportunity with one of these technologies, or maybe not. You've got to still consider the customer experience and handing off that touch point for a completely human-free delivery. And Amazon, like I say, decided this wasn't working for them and their scout robot. And like the drone delivery example, again, not an ideal touch point. The government legislation is critical here, whether you're talking about autonomous pods, driverless cars, or of course drones. There are restrictions about what is or isn't allowed which will vary by country, state, county, town, city. And you really need to be on top of all of the different government legislation and procedures and policies because it's highly unlikely that you're going to have one operating model that can fulfill all customer orders. You've still got to consider the business case because it's easy to get wowed by cool technology, right? But actually, is this a viable venture? that delivers value for your customers and for the business. And then how are you going to build that into the operating model? Because suddenly adding robots into your ways of working will change things. What does it do for maintenance? What are the different policies around responding to accidents, for example? Lots of different factors to consider in. Too many to discuss today, of course, and highly relevant to your specific use case, let's be honest. And there's clearly a lot to consider with bringing a technology like this into your customer proposition and your operating model. Let's cast our mind forward for a moment. Where are we going with the rise of robotics in last mile deliveries? Now, I view this particular use case, last mile deliveries, as highly viable in this area. I don't think we're going to see these robotics going anywhere, despite some of the challenges we've spoken about already. As the technology develops, we'll see elements like the control systems and the AI develop, and we'll see more and more robot vehicles going up the automation maturity levels towards fully autonomous deliveries. Now, for driving, there are six different levels, going from level zero, which is no automation, through to level five, which is fully autonomous. So level one and two are some elements of intelligence or automation. Think driving a car, elements like cruise control or lane correction, but very much with this level one and two, humans are still in charge and still very much responsible for driving the vehicle. In level three, the robot starts to take over and the person is really deployed as a safety driver and they're still critical to be able to take control if needed, if the automation runs into challenges or it doesn't know what to do then the person can steer or accelerate, whatever. 
In level four, the vehicle becomes autonomously controlled within a specific set of requirements. So for example, it works within a specific area. Like what we were talking about with the autonomous pods, it's a town and that is ring fenced and the robots will work within that area, but not elsewhere. And in level four, humans still definitely have the ability to take control if needed, but that should only be in the most extreme circumstances. And then level five is fully autonomous all of the time, where there is no need and perhaps even no ability for a human to take over from the robot. So I think we'll start to see these control systems and AI develop up towards level five, although I suspect the full jump to level five where there is no ability for a human to take over might take quite a long time yet, if ever we get there. Linked to that control system and AI development, I think we'll start to see more intelligent routing systems, especially if you've got a store estate working with different robotic solutions and you may want to balance your traffic or your volume across that network based on demand. So if, for example, store A or delivery hub A is having a particularly busy day or has come up against a particular operational challenge, then store B or location B can expand their delivery remit to ease the strain or perhaps even send delivery robots across to store A to help increase the rate of dispatch or the order volume that it can send out. Right at the start, we spoke about returns and reverse logistics as a use case for home delivery. So I think we'll start to see more autonomous solutions for collecting products or orders from a customer's house and taking it to the delivery hub. And potentially with that intelligent routing, you can do two birds with one stone, so to speak. Perhaps we'll start to see more collaboration between companies. So you've got one suite of delivery robots serving several different retailers, almost like a mini 3PL. We could also start to see robots delivering to local collection lockers. So you've got an automated delivery and loading of customer orders for collection at a convenient time. And this is gonna be especially fantastic for city center locations and transport hubs. And really focusing on that convenience element for customers, which is such a huge trend in many different ways, where, by the way, convenience does not mean speed, although it may suggest speed, right? Perhaps we'll start to see dynamic deliveries to a customer that is on the move. With smartphone GPS tracking, imagine if a delivery robot could find you walking down the street and say, oh, hey, here's your order. Or equally, maybe we'll develop better scheduling and planning and communication with the customer to ensure that deliveries are always delivered successfully. Imagine a world where there is no more missed deliveries because last minute planning and flexibility means that a customer could always adjust to make sure that they are ready to take receipt of their order. And then I was wondering, I wonder if we'll start to see other robot types. We've got these three types right now, but what else? Will we see some consumer controlled collection devices? Imagine if you own or rent or perhaps even just commandeer a bit like an Uber taxi your own collection robot that can go off to a store and collect items and bring it back? Will we start to see something like Boston Dynamics Spot robot, a bit like a dog, being able to strap a package onto its back for delivery? This is a highly flexible and very fast robot, so it could be great for getting across cities in, in fast time, right? 
are we going to be able to see robots start to deliver upstairs? Which again, in urban locations with customers not on the ground floor in apartment blocks or office blocks, could the robot climb up the stairs or take the lift? Where does this technology end, you know? And that, I think, is really an exciting moment because this whole market of automated last mile deliveries has only really just been born in the last 10 years. The technology is developing at pace. People are getting more used to the concept of robots delivering items. So where will we be in, let's say, another 10 years? And considering where this technology could go, what is it that you need to do? Or what is it you need to be thinking about right now to start experimenting or planning for more and more last mile automated deliveries? What do you think? Reach out to me at oliver.banks at obandco.uk and share your thoughts. Or of course, find me on LinkedIn as well. I'll put the links to get in touch on the show notes at obandco.uk slash 248. Do head over to the show notes because there are videos there today to help get a view as to what some of these different deliveries look like and some of the challenges involved in them as well. So go over to obandco.uk slash 248. And don't forget to sign up for the retail transformation briefing as well, if you haven't already. Also on that page, I'm going to put three episodes to check out next. The first two we mentioned at the start of the show, episode 246 and 247, which were also exploring the rise of robotics in retail, thinking about warehouses and transport respectively. And then a few episodes ago, episode 244, it was great speaking to Clix's Matt Cater about the evolution of smart lockers. And I think that smart locker technology combined with last mile deliveries could be a really exciting option for where this technology could go next. So head on over to obandco.uk slash 248. And just before we wrap up, a quick ask. Why don't you share this episode or the whole podcast with one of your contacts, someone that you think should definitely be listening to the show. I'd appreciate it enormously, and I'm sure they will too. So thanks very much in advance for sharing about the podcast and this episode. And thank you for tuning in. I look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now. Thank you.